0: In today's show, Yahoo is open for fantasy basketball for this season. So we're going to talk and look at their rankings that have come out. It's a good idea. I hope it is. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd. I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at redrock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at redrock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash or enter the promo code lockdown NBA for a free white tech hat with any purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. This show is not scheduled because I didn't know when Yahoo was going to open, but they're open. So we're going to talk about the initial set of ranks. Yes, you've been able to do some mocks and drafts on ESPN for ages, but we know that that platform's pretty trash. Fantrax has been open for a while, but the majority, and that is the best place to play fantasy basketball, by the way, but Yahoo is open now. That's where the majority of people play. Now, I'm going to have an announcement later on in the show about a a big, big fantasy basketball tournament that we're going to be running. Stay tuned for that. We'll talk about it later on. Um, But what we're here to talk about is Yahoo rankings. And let's just get a couple of things out of the way right now before Warnie tells me to get on with it. Yes, these rankings are going to change. I know that, Josh. They're just the early rankings. It's going to change. I know that. My point always with this with Yahoo, and you know Dan Titus. He's been on this show plenty of times. I, I love Dan Titus. Great bloke. Love what he does. This is not him. He doesn't do these things at Yahoo. He doesn't have the influence over these things. He doesn't put these rankings out. It's not him that does it. All right, so I'm not bat Dan. If you are listening, it's not you that I'm having a go out. And there's a lot of things that make a lot of sense in these rankings when you go to look at it on the service. It looks totally normal, and you, you can make arguments. Oh, this guy's twentieth. Why isn't he fortieth? Why isn't he? 30? Fine. Right. My problem is when you put out incomplete stuff, and I don't get why you do it. And by incomplete, what do I mean? Scoot Henderson's ranks six hundredth. I'm not even going to talk about the, how the rookies are all over the place. Brandon Miller's in the 540s. Every rookie's in the 400s, apart from the one that everyone knows about, and that's Victor Webanyama, who's 37th. So they went through and said, oh, Victor should go here somewhere. Uh, the other rookies, don't worry about it. Now, there's going to be other people who come to me. Josh, the Yahoo, projection, the Yahoo rankings, they're all based on stat projections. And of course, the rookies don't have stat projections. They'll put them in later on. Okay. Well, do it. Because as projections in order for things to be somewhat accurate and balanced, the players who are going to play minutes need to have projections. Because if you don't have rookies projected, if you don't have Brandon Miller projecting for any minutes at all, which ranking at 543 would suggest he's never going to play, when you do give him projections, then everybody else on that team loses shots and minutes. So nothing is accurate about what you do. Scoot Henderson's at zero minutes, apparently, because there's only there's less than 600 players. Ross in the NBA, he's 600th behind John Wall and Lonzo Ball. That means that you've screwed up every Portland Trailblazer projection. And I also can tell you that the Riyahu rankings are not based on projections at all. Not in the slightest. It's done off vibes. There's no projected numbers behind it. I'm tell- I 100% am telling you now on that. It's also not based on last year's statistics, which some people will tell me. Well, it's based on last year's numbers. It's not. Because if it was, Victor Wemenyama wouldn't be ranked at 37th. Miles Bridges wouldn't be ranked at all because he didn't play. But he is ranked. He is on that list. It's also not based on ADP, as some people would suggest. Rankings aren't don't adjust based on ADP. A, there is no ADP at the moment because there's been no drafts happen, but it's the other way around. Yahoo ADP data gets influenced by how the ranks look. There's so many people sit in a draft and look at the top of that queue and just pick that guy. And when mock drafts start to go on auto, they go through that. So it's the other way around. So what it is, is oversight and incompetence from whoever's putting that out. Simple as that. And if you're not ready to put it out with a proper list, don't do it. Because you can have certain things, right, which is correct. But there are certain things that are gigantic oversets. And I know it is going to get corrected. I know this is going to happen. Basketball Monster opening Monday, 14th of August, by the way. And what you won't find at Basketball Monster is me projecting zero games for Scoot Henderson. You might disagree with certain ways I look at minutes or player performance or all that sort of stuff. But my problem is that this is an incomplete product put out there but we can start doing mock drafts. I'm not going to start yet, but I will start doing it soon. But what I want to talk about is firstly, Yahoo's top 24 players, my agreements or disagreements with that. And then some other interesting ranks that I found throughout their list, not including all of the nonsense that is the rookies apart from Weminyama, apparently the only rookie who's going to see the floor this season. So in saying all of that, we might as well get in and yeah, let's start talking about the top 24 players in Yahoo's early ranks. Let's go. All right, so it gives me a chance to hit some sound drops. I haven't really been doing them in the um, in the team previews. At number one. Of course it is. And Jokic is the number one pick. I don't think he's going to end up the number one player this season. Championship hangover. Games off for rest. Maybe a slow start to the season from riding too many horses. This is all a possibility. Embiid did close that gap somewhat. But it's... Taking Jokic at one is the no-brainer decision. And if he finishes at three, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whatsoever if you pick him at one and he finishes at four. It doesn't matter. You take him at one. I, don't, I think, again, people overrate the importance of what you do in the first round. It doesn't matter as much as you think it does. Number two, they've got Joel Embiid. Fine. These are the number one and number two players last season. In fact, these are the number one and number two players that I have in my projections. Spoiler alert. Heading into next season. That's how it is. That's how I think it's going to go. No problem with that whatsoever. Oh, the other thing with Yahoo ranks, is it for categories or for points leagues? Nah, it doesn't matter. We'll just mash it together. That's where you get discrepancies because it's nonspecific. Number three, they've got Shea Gildas-Alexander. Shea was obviously a big, big surprise last season. My projections have Shea coming up pretty high in terms of traditional ranking numbers. I'm not sure he's going to be worth that. Because part of the reason he was able to be as good as he was is he basically doubled his free throw attempt rates and hit 10 percentage points extra from the line. And if 91 from the line goes to 85 from the line, if 52 or 51 from the field goes to 48 from the field, then a lot of the value disappears. And of course, Shea could get hurt at any point. But he's at three. Absolutely no argument. Luka Doncic is at four. Again, not really any argument with that whatsoever. People will complain about the free throws. People over complain about the free throws. Luka Doncic is totally fine in this area. And at number five, they've got Tyrese Halliburton, which, again, I think is absolutely 100% reasonable. No problem with picking that five. Really, if you wanted to swap Shea and Luka or Halliburton up to three or move Jokic to two, whatever you want to do, I don't think there's really anything that's significantly incorrect about these moves. Or even if you wanted to move some of the guys in the next group of five players, particularly two of them, into this group, I've got no problem with it whatsoever. I think there is a probably a pretty clear six guys that you want to look at in that top six, you can make an argument for seven or eight, but there are more question marks with those guys. But that top five, solid, stable. I feel good about them. Anything can happen, but if you take them there, I don't see how there's a wrong decision with it. All right. The next five guys. Number six, they've got Jason Tatum. People will go, well, Jason Tatum, he just plays every game. Yeah, until he doesn't, which again... Maybe he gets hurt, maybe he doesn't. But on a per-game basis, he's not the same level of these players. Can he take his game to a new level? That is possible. He scored really well last season. He has some efficiency issues. He doesn't generate gigantic defensive stats. He's a very, very good player. And he's totally fine to take in this area. And you could argue that you take him in the top five. You might do it over Halliburton or Shea or Doncic. You could do that. You know, but I, I never want to use my reasoning for somebody in that he never gets hurt because that doesn't last. It just doesn't. Seven is Steph Curry, a guy that has, It was obviously older, he's 36. He puts together big numbers, big per game production, probably going to sit some games. His value is heavily tied to efficiency, points and threes. Threes can be achieved later on in drafts, points can't. Is value in him, if you want to take him top five, I don't think there's a problem with it. The next is Anthony Davis at number eight. Now we know that Anthony Davis has had a lot of trouble staying healthy. Um, is that a way that I'm going to ding him moving forward? I guess a little bit but would I want to jump him into the top seven or top six? I don't think so, but he could reasonably finish as the fourth best player or third best player on a per game basis very, very comfortably. Kevin Durant at number nine. Durant will take somewhat of a hit with Bradley Beal arriving, but I don't think it's going to be that bad. He's around this end of first round sort of area. I wouldn't leap him into the top half of the first round, but Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. I actually have him around 10th in my rankings anyway, so he's about this spot. The one I have a little bit of Objection to his Jaron Jackson at number 10. Jaron Jackson had some big numbers last season on the back of an outlier statistical contribution in blocks, which is something that overvalues players absolutely up the wazoo. I think Jaron is more of a mid to late second round player. If he doesn't continue that block rate, then the value vanishes. I think he will play hopefully a few more minutes and get more offensive touches. I think he's really good. I'm not burning a first-round pick on him. I'm just not. Like, I'm not not willing to do that at this point. That one's the one that stands out to me as being, yeah, I think that's probably a little bit off. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. These shorts, I'm telling you now, they make you, A, look good, but also feel good because they're so comfortable. Their stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through your thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. So if you don't have sculpted hams like I do, absolute big bazooka guns... The bird dogs can come in there and they just give you a little bit of shape. They keep it in where it needs to be, much like those like Lululemon shorts, but they just fit way better. Nice shape, nice comfort. Honestly, I wear them and I never take them off. Well, I do to sleep, but you know what I mean. Put them back on the next day. I love my bird dog shorts and you're going to love them as well. They also have anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Go to birddogs.com slash Nba enter the promo code NBA for a free white tech hat. That's birddogs.com. Slash Locked on NBA or the promo code is Locked on NBA for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. And now that takes me into the announcement. You might have heard of the Fantasy Basketball World Cup run by Fantasy Basketball International, FBI. Adam King, who's been on the show millions of times. Matt Lawson, who's been on the show millions of times. Brendan Woodward, B-Dub, who's been on the show plenty of times as well. They're the FBI guys. Steve Alexander's working with them now as well. And they run a Fantasy Basketball World Cup. I'm teaming up with them this season to help co-promote and co-sponsor. I don't even know what the right word is. We're running it together. It is the best of the best Fantasy Basketball Championship. Participants from all over the world. We're going to have 48 divisions of 12 team leagues. It is a nine-category standard fantasy basketball format. I'm going to be running some other leagues at other points during the season, but this is the big one if you want to be competing in a standard format for fantasy basketball. It's a $20 entry fee. They run slow drafts, which will start in October. It's a nine category league. It's the world's best fantasy players. You have a 14 man roster, point guard, shooting guard, guard, small forward, power forward, center, three flex, four bench, one injured reserve. And there's three different stages. You get through stage one, you have a redraft in January. You get through that, you have another redraft and then you get with a final area. Is. So there is redrafts that happen. You get through to the next stage and then you get a completely new team for the next part of the year. A unique format, a fantastic um, competition and a, you're going to want to be a part of it. $20 entry fee, you get the pride, you get prize money. It's all there in the FBI X LOFB Fantasy Basketball World Cup. We are partnering together for this this season. I've promoted Fantasy Basketball International stuff plenty of times and I'll continue to do it. But now we are teaming up to get this Fantasy Basketball World Cup the biggest that it has ever been. Now, I and my listeners are going to have access to half of the entry spots in this league. Half of them. And the thing to do, we're going to get some of the entries going this week. In the show description, whether you're listening on a podcast or you're here on YouTube, if you go to the description, you will see a link to a Google form. It will be highlighted. And in the podcast show notes, it will be highlighted there as well. You click on that Google form link and you answer the questions. It's a quiz. It's a quiz. And I will be putting through the people with the highest scores into the positions for this week. We'll do more stuff next week and probably more stuff the week after to fill out all of our positions in this league. But if you want in this league, get to that form, fill out your answers, answer the quiz, best scores get in, and then we'll get the information through to you as well of how you, how you join that after that. But this is the first point of entry for this league, we'll have more stuff happening, different quizzes, different entries through the week, through the next couple of weeks. But this is your first crack at it. Locked on Fantasy Basketball, Fantasy Basketball International, the World Cup, it is here. It is bigger than ever. And you want it. you're want you going to want to be a part of it. So check the description on YouTube. Check the podcast show notes as well and get involved. You're going to love it. Let's go back to Yahoo's top rankings. At number 11, they've got Kyrie Irving. Okay, he did drop off a little bit. Um, when he joined Dallas, but he's good. Like, there's no look. There's obviously concerns with how Kyrie's availability goes, but on the turn of the first round, I think he's totally reasonable. Number 12 is Damian Lillard. I think if Damian Lillard does stay in Portland, he's better than this. I think if he goes to Miami, he's worse than this. This is a tough one to position. At the moment, in my projections of basketball monster, I have to have him on Portland and it makes him look a little bit better than this, but I don't know where he's going to be. You don't either. We assume Miami, but we don't know. He's a tough one. I think, yeah, if you take him around the turn, it's hard to go wrong. And then at number 13 is the controversial one, and that's Giannis Antetokounmpo. So there's going to be people who are obsessed with rankings who, I don't even know if they understand how they all work necessarily all the time, but will tell me that Giannis was the 130th best player last season, and he's unrosterable in 9-cat formats, which is just garbage. It's just not true. Um, You have to understand what you're getting with Giannis. Now, uh, absolutely... He he steals and blocks dropped last season. Absolutely, we have concerns about his knee and game's played ability. That is all true, and I don't know whether that goes away. I don't know whether that all goes away. And I don't think that we should consider Giannis. In a points league, maybe we do, but the game's played is an issue. In a category league, I don't think we consider him top five, but I do have him in the top 10. I think he's like eighth or ninth sort of area. Yes, you're going to punt free throws, but as I detailed on my Twitter thread the other day, if Giannis makes one extra free throw per week, per week, based on what he did last season, he jumps up three percentage points, 64 to 67. You make two extra per week, you're a 70% free throw shooter, and then all of your concerns about an unrosterability go away. If some of the stuff comes back with his defense, because he averaged 30 points and over 10 rebounds and like six assists last season. They were huge numbers. Right? Giannis is, I think, better than this. And for points leagues, he's like the third best player. Devin Booker's at 14 on this list. I... I'm pretty excited about what Booker is going to bring this season. I'm a little worried that maybe there's a hit in his efficiency, but I think he's going to lead this team in assists. If he averaged nine assists per game, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't predict it, but I wouldn't be shocked. But he's a really strong pick there. I would have him over Jaron Jackson. I have no, conf- no problem with saying that. I've got to adjust my projections still a little bit on him, but I like him there. And I actually love LaMelo Ball at 15. LaMelo Ball is being consistently underrated. I don't worry about the ankle problems from last season. LaMelo Ball does have some problems with field goal percentage. But he's really good. I think he's probably a first-round guy. My projections have him coming out with some very, very big numbers because he rebounds, he gets steals, he gets assists, he shoots threes, he scores, he he shoots great free throws. I think he's going to be awesome. And I think at 15, there's some real value in him. 16 is Kawhi. Well, Kawhi was tracking as a top-five player end of last season and then Torres Meniscus. I would be very queasy about taking Kawhi at 16 because now he's got another knee surgery under his belt and that's probably going to mean some more time off. But as a per-game player, he he crushes, he dominates. 17 is Mikael Bridges. It's very rich for Mikael. Now, Mikael is going to be solid, but I his defensive stats dropped off last season. His efficiency is a little bit touch-and-go with the increased usage. It dropped quite a bit from where it was in the past. I would not want to spend that pick on him. Fred Van Vliet at 18. I don't, I don't, I'm not 100% against that. I think he's obviously going to be bad at field goal percentage, but otherwise he's going to be fairly solid. The worry I have with Van Vleet is a reduction in minutes from Nick Nurse. You know, I have him I do have him a little bit lower than this personally, more of a third round guy, but as usual, the second round is a little bit wastelandy. 20 is Donovan Mitchell. Um I've got Mitchell a little bit higher than this. Um, mainly just because of of some of the lack of production from other guys, but I I think that's pretty good value to get him here. And to round out their top 24, they've got Anthony Edwards, Goose at number 21. Which I actually think is pretty significant value. I think he's a mid-second to early second round player. The worry I have with Ant is the shooting percentages haven't really improved. But if he takes himself to be an 83% free throw guy, well, the value for him increases significantly. Sabonis is at 22. Obviously, he had a great season last year. I don't really know how he gets better than that. Uh, I think this is about the right area for Sabonis, to be honest. And then at 23, there's James Harden, which we don't know where James Harden's going to be. James Harden was better than this last season. I, The uncertainty for Harden makes him a hard guy to draft, but his value as a league-leading assist player probably should have him higher than this. And 24 is Paul George, who I think on a per-game basis beats this number pretty comfortably as well. But of course, if Harden does team up with Paul George, then both of those guys will take somewhat of a hit and you wouldn't want to have three clippers, which is what they would have on this list, going inside the first two rounds. So there would be adjustment there. But that that is hard to know at this point. But that is their top 24. Again, not too much of an argument for me with a lot of those ones. I'm not that high on Jaron at his spot. I think Devin Booker's in a pretty good position there. I think Lamelo's probably a little bit too low, but overall, not not too much of a concern for me. I want to go through some other ranks that I find pretty interesting, whether that's interesting in a bad or good way. I'll let you know. They got Trey Young at twenty seven. I think that's too low for Trey. I think that the hate on Trey Young has gone too far. Trey Young actually upped his assist rate last year despite Dejounte Murray arriving. I think that Quinn Snyder should be able to help him, and if he gets any increase in three point percentage. He's gonna jump back up. Like his numbers were still really good, but we get really tied to what was his ranking number because his field goal percentage dropped off. That's fine. We can adjust to that stuff really easily. I think Trey Young, if you get Trey Young at 27, like to me, that's absolute theft. DeJounte Murray at 32 is whatever the opposite of theft is. There's no way I have any interest in DeJounte Murray at twenty uh, at 32. He's obviously second banana there. His rebound rate cut in half last season. His assist rate dropped. He still rate might go back up, but I don't know that it does. His shooting's always gonna be a question mark. Not interested in him at 32. And then the big fella. Now, quick guess. Vooch is at 35. I know you'll look at last season's rankings uh, with Vooch. Do you think that I think he's too high or too low here? It's boots. It's big Vooch is it. Vooch a bitch. Because Vooch was able to put together numbers which, based on the rankings, would tell you that he was awesome last season. I think if you look at Yahoo's ranks, it has him at, like, the 12th best player because he didn't get hurt at all, which, again, is a terrible way of trying to uh, look at value. I think it is way more likely Vooch is at the age well, I know that he's at the age of 32. I think it's way more likely that Vooch is a outside the top 50 versus Vooch being back inside the top 20. I am not expecting a big year from Vooch at, and pick 35 I, I just I don't think I'm interested in it. Brooke Lopez was a big big surprise last season. He's at 44. Uh, I'm not I'm not really sure that I'm keen on that either. It was on the back of career high minutes, or not career high. recent career high minutes on really good shooting and insane block numbers. New coach, we don't know how they're going to run that system and they're going to change that system which funneled everything towards Brook Lopez. I don't know, but I'm definitely not investing a top 50 pick in Brook. And Cade Cunningham, I think is going to be a monster. I was off I, I had him really high last year, second round player. He played 12 games, he averaged 26 and 6. I know people will tell you he was trash. 26 and 6 is good. I think he can I honestly think he can be 25 7 and 8, 1.3 steals, 2.5 triples, 0.7 blocks and I think his shooting is going to jump up. I think that he has a massive chance of being a first-round player. We talked about that guy two years ago, it was Dejounte Murray last year, it was Shea alexander that you draft in round four or five that's a first-round guy. This is him. This is him to me. Now, I'm not taking him in round two. I'm not taking, I probably will take him in round three, but I am massively in on, on Kate Cunningham this season. Dejounte at 52? I just, I don't see it. I know they're pretty thin, but he's just never going to touch it behind Durant, Booker, and Beal. He's never going to get there. He doesn't generate his own shots. He's not a good defender anymore. He doesn't block shots. Who knows how Frank Vogel will use him? Maybe Vogel leans on him a little bit more, but I don't want him at 52. Jordan Poole at 60 is way too low to me. Poole is going to have so many shot attempts. He generates assists. He's elite at free throws. You know what? His on-court defense is terrible. I don't care. That's fine. I don't care. He's going to get so much opportunity. The problem I have with Poole is I think the Wizards are going to shut shit down towards the end of the season pretty easily. And that worries me. Yes, his field goal percentage is bad, but we we deal with that. Capella at 65, I'm absolutely not investing pick 65 in him. I don't think that A Kongu is taking the starting job away from Clint. But Clint's older, the permanent numbers regress and A Kongu is going to be there. Getting into him, maybe Capella's traded, I don't know. I'm not spending a 65, fifth pick on him, nor am I spending a 66 on Chivano Healed. Buddy at 66 is an insane waste of a pick. To me, I've got no interest in that. We're going to do a full sleeper and bus video later on, but that's crazy to me. Chris Middleton's clearly being underrated at 82 based on his injury. Yes, I am concerned about the ongoing knee problem, but that's really good value for him at 82. Some other ones I'm interested in. The horse, Calden Johnson. Whose horse is that? You know what I'm going to say? I think Calden's going to come off the bench. I think Calden thrived last season. Thrived is a strong word because he didn't. I think Calden put up some good scoring numbers because no one else on that team did. And he's such an empty fantasy player that there is no way that I would have any interest in drafting in there. None whatsoever. Once we get into the 120s, 130s, it's hard for me to say that's a terrible rank. Now, there are some terrible ones in there, but it's the end of a draft. In general, you don't care. But what are we doing with Harrison Barnes, the pencil, at 110? Might as well burn your picks on fire. The ones I'm going to go through now are ones that I think have probably been missed by some of the guys making these ranks at Yahoo. Daniel Gafford, 131. Go check the Wizards' depth chart and tell me who their centers are. If Gafford stays out of foul trouble, he might play 40 minutes a night. There's no one. There's no one who plays center on that team. Gafford is significantly better than that. Marco Fultz at 173. I don't know what bro's cooking there, but that's wrong. Uh, Jabari Smith at 177. Now, Smitty had some struggles last season. Absolutely had some struggles. But I'm taking Jabari Smith in standard leagues, which 177 is an undraftable standard league player according to these Yahoo ranks. Same with Fultz. He is getting drafted to me much, much... I don't, where do I even have old Smithy? Because that's that's an insane number at 177. And it's one of those ones where I think they might have forgotten to make some adjustments. I've got him at like, at the moment, 120, but I think it'll actually end up being... Oh, no, it's actually way higher than that. Um, yeah, I think he's like 100, if not higher. I'm pretty interested in where he where he ends up this season. And then the last bunch of guys here, just again, I'm not talking about these rookies who are down in the 600s because obviously insane. But these ones also, we've, someone hasn't paid attention. Zach Collins at 197. I think he's going to be the Spurs starting centre. I think he's a top 100 player. Old passport legend, Jalen Duran. He's at 210. Come on, that's that's ridiculous. Benedict Matherin, who's a chance to start over Buddy Heald at 224. Yes, he had some problems last season, but that's insane. Also, Pacers projected starting center, Obi Toppin at 241. Again, I don't think Toppin's a great player, but I know that he's not a 20-team-only league player. Steven Adams at 266, yeah. Look, okay, you punt free throws. He's like a top 100 player. I know he had a knee injury last season, but Brandon Clark's not there. He's the starting center. Jaden Ivey at 267, come on. Yes, he's not going to have the ball as much as he did without Cade last season, but that's a crazy number. And this is one of the more crazy ones out there. Oh, hi, Mark. 271 for Mark Williams. Again, I don't know what these are. They're not based on projections. They're not based on last season numbers. They're based on vibes, and someone forgot to vibe these guys up. Ben Simmons is at 289. Would you want to take a risk of Ben Simmons at 70? No, no. But I, it appears that Simmons might start for the Nets, and a pick 120, 130. Why not? Colin Sexton at 302. Doesn't make a ton of sense to me as well. <clears throat> Even if he's not the starting point guard for the Jazz, which I, I do think he will be, He's better than 302. He's going to get minutes. He's going to score okay. And he's going to do it relatively efficiently. And there's a lot of value in that. They're some of the ones that I found and picked out as very, very interesting. Again, I could go through and tell you so many different ones that really stand out as being weird in terms of some of the ranking numbers. Christian Brown's at 317. Peyton Watson's in the 400s. Who else have we got on this list? Yeah, Rashawn Holmes, who's an interesting sleeper guy, at 358. Feels a little low to have him behind Daniel House Jr. Doesn't quite feel like it should be there. Um, Who else do we have on this list that seems a little bit off? I've gone through most of them there. I don't need to go too much into it. But there are plenty of weird ones, and then you get into all the rookies. Jake LaRavia at 423. I think he'll be better than that. 423 is basically a player in the NBA who never plays. So if you are looking at drafts, if you are doing mocks, be prepared to scroll down and see where some of these guys appear. I know it's going to get changed, but I just wanted to highlight some of the stuff that seemed clearly wrong in either direction to me at the moment and go through that early top 24. My voice is suddenly dying, but it's good because it's time for me to wrap up the show anyway. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. Thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.